Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We have been in a great series and we've heard some great messages on what it is to stay joyful, to stay focused in the middle of this crazy life that we live that's full of awesomeness and challenges and everything all together. And uh, we have uh, talked about what it is to be connected to the source, which is Jesus, right? Because without that, we're toast. We're not going to make it. If we're trying to white knuckle this Christian life and stay joyful and be like Jesus, if, if we're doing it in a checkbox format, you won't be able to do it and you'll get really frustrated. But there's a really good God who is working on your behalf, who will allow you to be sincere, to live with joy and hope and peace in the midst of crazy. We serve a God that will allow you to be like his son and be shaped and formed into his image as you seek and serve him. Amen? I was even thinking this week, I'm like, WWJD, who had that bracelet? Come on. Somebody had it. But really it is, what would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he interact in the moment? How would he love outside of himself? And how can we be more like that? Jesus, how would you respond? And then we respond that way because we've been touched and changed by a living, loving God. How, and last week, how do you be tender and gracious and kind and good and give them what they don't deserve? Thank you for that. (laughs) Or what about steak? I'm like, come on, anybody not eating steak anymore because you had one bad one? Of course not. Be crazy to not try steak again. But there's a really good God who is working on our behalf. And even in the midst of challenges and suffering and life's hardships, who is working on our behalf and who is for you. Amen. First Peter, we're going to start in uh, chapter 4 today, verse 7. I'm going to read part of the text and share some thoughts, and then we're going to continue on through the end of 5. If we get there all the way through, I don't know. But in First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 7 is where we're going to start today. So we'll pray, and then we're going to read the Word of God. God, I thank you. I ask that you would come and open up our hearts and minds to your Word today. That God, as we pursue and look at what it is to live a life on purpose, intentional in our pursuit of you, our love for you, and then the outflow of our lives, bringing crazy good change for your kingdom. I pray that you would speak to us. You would encourage us, challenge us if you need to, God. Get us out of our comfort box that we would be intentional with our lives, intentionally loving you, loving others, and preaching the gospel. So I thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers over a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those in need, a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you this uh, or, or a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all of your strength and energy that God supplies. 
Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As if someone, as if someone something strange has happened to you. It's sort of like, where is this stuff coming from? It seems like one after the other after the other. Instead, be glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder. That's a no-brainer, I think. Stealing, making trouble or prying into other people's affairs, but... It is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Can I get an amen for that one? Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So... If you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. I think we just got to live our lives on purpose. Every day that I wake up and I'm still breathing in and out, I'm like, well, praise God, you've got something for me to do today beyond just sucking air. There is purpose in the day. So God, help me to see it. Help me to step into it. Help me to recognize it so I know. Help me to hear well, Holy Spirit, when you're speaking to me so that I do the things that I know you're wanting me to do. I mean, Peter understood epic failure, right? But he also knew what epic success was and at the end of the day, what actual restoration looked like when you had feel like, felt like you had fallen completely short and then Jesus goes, come here, I still have something for you to do. Come here, I still have good things. I know I said, get thee behind me, Satan, but I really, really love you. Peter, I love you, feed my sheep. Peter, I love you, feed my lambs. Do what I'm doing, live your life on purpose. Trials are going to come though, right? Suffering's going to happen. The world's going to get crazy. It's going to be like a shaken soda can and pop all over the place. And James is a good encourager to us too. In James 1 and 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. What? Yeah, consider it great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Anybody ever been in an uncomfortable spot? I was joking this last week, our lead pastor in Alaska, we had a uh, acrylic podium, and uh, Pastor David Pepper, who's one of your missionaries, and I'll just share it now, and then he'll be mad at me later, but he preached an entire message with his zipper down. <laughs> we laughed, it was like... How do we save him? I don't know. We tried to get his attention anyways. And then he was raised his arms anyways. I'll leave it at that. But, <laughs> but in that moment, it is horrible sometimes to be laid bare before the Lord, right? And like, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> but, and then I remembered another time I'm like, okay, the zipper thing. But like it, it, a, a lady came out and she had her dress tucked into her underwear. And I was like, ma'am, let me help you, right? 
We've all been in embarrassing moments where maybe you feel flat-footed. Maybe you feel like you have missed it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit in that moment was, was speaking to me last week in worship. He said, be prepared for I'm wrapping things up. I'm pulling the purse strings on this season of life. I'm returning. But he didn't stop there. Be about my business is what kept coming to me over and over. Jeremy, live your life on purpose. Son, do the things I've called you to do. Don't be caught flat-footed in this season. Be ready because I'm coming back, but I still got a lot of stuff for you to do in those moments you have. Jesus was intentional with his life. He was totally secure in who he was as the son of God. And he wasn't confused about who his father was. He lived on purpose. He changed things when he walked into a room. In a very short period of three years with a bunch of, a bunch of kind of nominal, normal 12 people, he changed the face of the world when they responded to, hey, you, take up your cross, come hang out with me. And they did it. And they failed. And they wrestled. And they went through trials. I mean, Peter so much so that says, hey, I don't deserve to be crucified like my Lord and Savior, do it upside down. I mean, that's, that's a crazy thought process in itself. But his thing was, man, I, I live my life for the sake of this gospel. Juan Sanchez wrote in, this, in, in, a, in, in a book that he did about First Peter, said this. He said, God doesn't waste your suffering and neither should you. Let that sink in for a minute. God doesn't waste your suffering, your trials, the things that you're walking through. And neither should we. In those moments, it's up to us as sons and daughters to pick our heads up, focus on the one that we know is the deliverer, is the author and perfecter of our faith and say, God, what are you doing? This is super difficult. I would rather choke them than love them. I would rather run away and hide. I would rather just, can I just be in a glory bubble? And he's like, nah, I need, I need to grow something in you. Paul said, hey, this thorn, God, if you could take it, it would be really cool. And he's like, no, my grace, my goodness is sufficient for you, Paul. Go and do the thing that I've called you to do. Because if we're living on purpose, we're probably living on mission. And in the Great Commission, the, the greatest commandment really, I mean, from Jesus directly, talking to the 11 disciples, said this, I've been given all authority. In heaven and on this earth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. I love this. And be sure, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus just doesn't cause us to, or call us to live on mission and then leave us high and dry, right? No, he put his spirit inside of you. He, he filled you, equipped you, gifted you, gave you all, everything you need, your whole sack lunch and a Coke, and said, hey, go and do this deal. I'm going to be with you on all the things that you do. Go and make disciples. Who's supposed to make disciples? Me. All of us. Isn't that just for church leadership? No. It's for every believer. Everyone that's walking in relationship with Jesus, there's someone that you can find as a disciple of Christ and then make a disciple. And I know some of you are probably like, that kind of freaks me out. I'm not so sure I'm able, but God has equipped you. He's uniquely gifted and talented each and every one of you to love Jesus, love others, and then teach them the things that Jesus is teaching you, right? I mean, could you sit with some individual 
Because discipleship is individual. Could you find one person that you could walk with, that you could know the name of? Man, I met with Bill last week. Man, I hung out with Susie last week and we talked about the Lord and I invited them into this relationship. I extended an invitation because discipleship is not only individual, it's invitational. Jesus said, hey, go pick up your cross and then come follow me. Hey, go, go leave the former things that you used to do and pursue me and I'll walk with you in this. Discipleship is also intentional. Jesus was purposeful about his investment in the disciples, right? He knew how they were wired. He knew their shortcomings and everything, but he knew that he was going to send them on mission. So he invested the things intentionally that he knew they would need so they would be successful in repping the gospel well. How many of you got Jesus living on the inside of you? Come on. Awesome. Then you have something to give. You can disciple someone. Out of everybody, imagine this, look around. If everyone in this room would disciple one, this next season, three months, whatever it looks like, if you would disciple one people, we wouldn't have enough seats in here. Because as lovers of Jesus, you would be walking with others who maybe don't know you. Maybe you're like Kevin Fansler, storming Walmart and HEB looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. Good on you, bro. I get like the report the last two weeks and I'm super pumped about someone who's just like, hey, do you want to know about Jesus? The world looks really bad, right? Anybody need a little extra hope? A little extra joy? A little extra compassion? A little extra peace? You want someone to stir up your faith? Get around that guy. But I love the fact that He's like the life of Jesus in me invested into the life because discipleship's incarnational. The incarnate life of Christ in you invested into somebody else. I just want to tell you, you can do it. You're not less than. God has called you to be a disciple and make disciples. Why? It's all for the sake of the kingdom at the end of the day. To bring glory to the Father and to look at that cross and go, Jesus, thank you for what you did there. Now I'm going to go do something with it. It doesn't stop at the cross amen the cross was the defining moment that we're going to celebrate over this next period in time but beyond the cross is where this life as a believer is lived out where we ooze Jesus wherever we go where the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and we say God wherever I am let me be light for you Wherever I am, as your son, as your disciple, let me, let me be encouraged and full of faith and let me tell somebody else how to do that very same thing. So I asked a few questions this week of some people. It's like, what does it mean to be intentional with your life? Because we're talking about the intentionality of Jesus today and how he was that way and how Peter's recanting this and challenging us as the church to be that way. So what does it mean to be intentional? Someone says, it, it, for me, it means to focus on Jesus. Like I need to be paying attention to what he's saying, doing, and how he's leading me. Um, consistent obedience to the Holy Spirit. We talked about that in the Spirit-filled life a little bit this morning. And I shared a few stories of my disobedience and where God's still a good, loving father. And others shared that where they were, it, they were obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it turned out to be a really cool God moment, right? where we get the opportunity to encourage someone with the life of Jesus. Um, someone else said, build relationships with spouse, kids, family, friends, neighbors. I think that pretty much gets everybody, right? Be intentional about the relationships that you build. Build relationships that matter and last, right? 
I think sometimes we don't want to build relationships because when we celebrate what we did up here today, it, it hurts a little bit. But when it hurts, you know you did it right. Amen? If people go and you're like, later, probably didn't love very well, probably didn't build relationship like we should have. The Father's will is that every believer will make devoted, faith-filled followers of Christ. That's all of us. Why? Because it builds his church. It's what he's coming back for. Pure, perfect, without spot or blemish, right? Coming back for all of you. Look at all these beautiful faces out here today. But it's for his church. Sometimes these things take a little self-control. Anybody suffer in that area? Don't raise your hand. But sometimes we do, and... I love this when I think about that, when I'm maybe wrestling through something and trying to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me on it, how I'm supposed to respond. And Paul in Romans chapter seven says this, look, hey, the writer of, you know, most of the New Testament, right, goes, hey, I, I don't do the things that I should do. And I do the things I know I shouldn't do. Does that give you hope? It gives me hope. I, I don't do the things I know that I should do and I do the things I know I shouldn't, but yet I put myself back in that right spot where Jesus, you shape me, you mold me. Help me to be self-controlled. Help me to be slow to speak and quick to listen and to respond with compassion and love and joy and forgiveness. All the things that look like Jesus. Because that's really what we're looking to do when we're self-controlled. Jesus, how would you respond in this moment? How do I make you look good? How do I not be me and be angry and frustrated in the moment? But how do I, under Holy Spirit, self-control, respond and point to you? Because what we do makes a difference for the sake of the kingdom, right? How we respond, how we act, the things that we do, how we respond in fiery trials, right? That sounds fun. How we respond under pressure. I think in the connection and relationship and the self-control we exercise and grow in relationship and faith in God, when pressure comes, it shows, right? When hard things happen, when we get pressed, I just, I used to tell my students in youth ministry, when I get pressed, I want to leak Jesus. When I get challenged and I feel like I don't have all the answers, I want to look like Jesus. And sometimes... I'll just be honest, sometimes I just, I'm going to look like Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, right? You get stuck in that thing, but often I'm like, okay, I'm gonna look like Jesus, and I come in with a smile, my, my brain isn't quite caught up with Jesus yet, right? My, my emotions haven't got there yet, but I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to temper me in that moment, right? And I'm gonna breathe, and then I'm gonna speak, Right? Because it matters, because it looks either like Jesus or it looks like the world. And we got enough of the world going around, right? We need more of, of the Jesus. We need more of the one true gospel coming out of us in our interactions and the things that we do and say. Because there's only one gospel, right? Government at the end of the day doesn't matter. Your job, you may have several of them, but at the end of the day, it's a gift, but it's something we do for the sake of the kingdom at the end of the day, wars, social justice, all that kind of stuff, there's one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, did you know there's a guy that took a bullet for you? 
Would you like to know him? Hey, did you know on a cross, he poured out all of his blood, took on the wrath and the sin of everyone once and for all forever for you and for you and for you. Jesus said it real well in self-control, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done in me. Hey, if you could take this cup, I'd like you to take it. Hey, God, if you can take this relationship thing and deal with you, deal with it, I would love for you to take it. God, will you take my anger? God, will you take my wrestlings and my strugglings? And he's going, ah, consider it pure joy. I'm doing something in you as you're suffering and walking it out. I'm building you the, your very prayer. Jesus, make me more like you. He's like, okay. Jesus, make me more like you, but I don't want I want to just tell them how it is. Give them what they don't deserve. Love well, look like Jesus. Show generous compassion. That's what Jesus did, right? Freely we've been given, so freely give it away. Cheerfully give away your time, talent, and treasure. And walk in this realization. Jesus, you said in Romans that even when I was dead in my sin, lost in my transgressions, you came for me. Right? If we've been the recipient of that, then why sometimes is it so hard to do that for others? It's hard. Jesus, while I was dead, you came for me. While I was broken, when I was in an incomplete affront to the gospel, you pursued my heart. You said, you matter. Okay. Man, I need more of your grace poured out on me. God, if I'm going to do it, it's a good prayer to pray. Juan Sanchez writes in his book too, living with the end in view is not a call to radical Christianity, but normal Christianity. Not like so wrapped around the axle that we've got to have every bit in the book figured out prior to the return, but the fact that if I was lost in that and you came to seek and save me, just like Jesus did, to have compassion, to seek and save the lost, and I'm supposed to do the same thing, help me. Help me look and see people differently, Jesus. When Jesus looked upon the rich young ruler, he didn't say, man, you're so horrible, go figure it out and then come back. It says that he looked upon him and Jesus had compassion for him. Because he knew it was going to be hard to get beyond the money. But he didn't look at him with hate in his heart. He looked at him with love. That's going to be tough. You're going to come up with situations where you're not going to have enough compassion to give away. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit in those moments to love like Jesus. To speak like Jesus. To look like him. Maybe you came today and and you don't even know what that looks like. You hear me talking about this Jesus and you don't even have a relationship with him. You can have it today. You can experience genuine compassion and love. The presence of God rolling up in your business and your fiery trials and the hard things you're dealing with today. You just got to go, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. I I want you to change me to make me more look like you. I want to have more compassion for others, but I can't, I can't do it and I recognize it. It's a good place to be. Just say yes to Jesus today. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. 
It doesn't have to be a rote scripted thing. You can close your eyes right now and go, Jesus, I want you. I need you. Will you come into my heart? Change my life. I did that in the front row, front row of a church and responded to an altar call and it's been a crazy cool journey, right? But it was my willing to just say, Jesus, I need you. Let me have your compassion. I'm going to give you a few things. So every son and daughter of God, as Peter's talking in chapter five here, and I'm not going to read it all, but he's challenging the elders on what it is to lead well. It says, and now a word to you elders who are in the churches. I am, I am too an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too share in his glory when it is revealed to the whole world. I appeal you care for, oh, care for the flock as God the care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it because you're eager to serve God. I think we all ought to be that way, right? This is a challenge to the elders, but I think for every believer, we ought to be willing to lead well in the things that we've been uniquely crafted and gifted to do. To be humble, to know that we haven't got it all figured out yet, but that God is wanting to use our lives in a profound way. You know, these tattoos allow me to reach a whole other group of people that some of you won't get to. And that's okay. Because I might not reach the suit and tie guy on Monday through Friday either. That is the beauty about the body of Christ. Sons and daughters fully redeemed. You, uniquely you. I mean, get a tattoo. I don't know. They're cool. Um, but be you. Be the Jesus or be, be how Jesus made you to be and then leak him out wherever you go in this community. God's called us to be a, be a part of this community, so let's go love it well. Let's go serve it well. Let's be humble in our interactions. 1 Peter 5, 3. I just read that. I'm gonna read that, but it says, don't lord it over, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Don't be so wrapped up in the, in, the, in the title or in the service or in the leadership role, but just love people well and bring them along with you. Hey, the life of Christ and in me invested in you, come on. I got something I want to share with you. Be vulnerable, share your stories, share your failures, share your successes. And know this, be on alert because there is an enemy, right? Not that we focus and spend a bunch of time giving the enemy a bunch of assent because we want to talk about Jesus and all the things that we do, but you have a real enemy. And Peter says that he's rolling around like a lion, roaring, looking how he can mix up your stuff and get in your way, but he is not the lion, amen? He's not Jesus. We, we are, we, our enemy is defeated, right? So why don't we live like that more often? This is the question I'm asking myself this week. If my enemy's actually defeated and I believe everything that's in this book and I'm walking in relationship with Jesus and I have the Holy Spirit in me and the lion, Jesus of Judah, I, I mean, he's leading the way and he's never gonna leave me nor fail me. He's never gonna leave you high and dry, right? What am I doing? Enemy, you can just, woo, all you want. I'm good. I think Pastor Kelly said it when he was here for missions conference. Talk to the hand. 
I don't got time for you. I don't have time to listen to you. I want to hear the Holy Spirit of the living God because I've been empowered to stand firm. I don't, I don't need all that other junk. Jesus, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, how are you leading? How are you guiding me in these moments? Because I want to make you look good today. Zechariah said, not by might, not by power, not by strength, but by my spirit in you. Our human effort won't get it. Newsflash. We're going to make mistakes. And apart from him, Jesus says, look, you can't do anything good anyways. Stay grafted in. Be a part of the vine. Be in prayer. I love this, that Peter says this. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Paul says, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I'm simply going, Jesus, I, I love you today. Lord, help me and lead me and guide me today. When I'm in my car, I don't, my kids hate it. I don't turn the radio on because I'm listening to God. I want to I wanna take the 22 minutes from Marble Falls to the church and I want to say, God, what do you have for me today? Who do you have for me today? What are you asking me to do? I know there's going to be challenges and fiery trials and I know relationally things are going to be tough. And even in the midst of like doing the very thing you've called me to do, I'm going to struggle. But I want to make you look good. I want to live on purpose. I want to be intentional about the things I do and say that points back to, and Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in me and through me and empower me. Jesus, what are we doing today? Start asking that in the morning when you wake up. I know I'm empowered. I know that spirit was sealed to me at salvation, so now i got to build some relationship with that Holy Spirit, right? How are you going to lead me? How are you going to guide me today? Lord, I want to hear you. Open up my ears. Help me to see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and be motivated by your heart, Lord, not my own selfish intention. Stand firm. Ever heard that? thinking about Gideon. We talked about Gideon in the wine press this morning. Hey, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's going, who the heck are you talking about? This guy threshing wheat just to eat and not die, God. Man, I got great things for you to do. Gideon didn't have it all figured out. He was a, he was a mess. But he just said, okay. I don't see it yet. I don't see what you're doing. But I know you're with me. And I love Peter's encouragement in verse 9 in chapter 5. He said, hey, by the way, just remember, you're not the only one suffering here. We've got a great group of sufferers, amen? You're not the only one that's going through stuff. You're not the only one that is dealing with this. The entire body of believers, the church, your brothers and sisters all over the world, they're experiencing the same things. I keep going back and we've talked a lot about it, but man, our missionaries in Russia, I have no idea what that looks like, y'all. But I look at it and I watch their lives and I see their posts and I think to myself, dude, I have nothing to complain about. What are they doing? Loving people. What are they doing? Preaching the gospel. What are they doing? Being intentional under fiery trials and all sorts of things that are going on. And they're seeing people saved inside of their house with some random potluck meal. That's awesome. We celebrate that and then we go, God, where's my opportunity? 
Where is my opportunity, Holy Spirit, to be led in this day to do that? Because if they're going to do that and they're suffering too and going through stuff, and I am too, not minimizing your sufferings. Don't, don't hear me wrong. We all have our challenges and they're uniquely ours and they're not invalid. But God, in the midst of this thing, what are you teaching me? How are you growing me? How are you leading me to be greater connected to the Holy Spirit that is the one who is my comforter, my counselor, the empowerer of every believer to accomplish the mission? Holy Spirit, live in me. Help me. I, I need you because I'm not going to be able to do it without you. Because you're all gifted. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says that. Look, you guys have all these gifts. Use them well. Man, I, I can, I'm the hostess with the mostest. Good. Serve somebody. Host a missionary. Host a small group. Make some food. The worship team will eat it. You can feed them back here. Like whatever that is, do it with everything you are. Be a disciple of God and find one person. And if you pray, God will show you who that's supposed to be. Walk with somebody. I am constantly amazed that when I ask guys to step into a one-on-one -one disciple-making relationship, how badly it freaks them out, for one, and for two, that I have older guys saying, I wish somebody would have done that with me sooner. I wish someone would have done that. Or I have never had anybody offer that one-on-one -on -one relationship with me. Are you sure you have time? And my response is, only as busy as I make myself. Because it matters for the sake of the kingdom, right? There are things that we have walked through that we can look and see somebody else and go, hey, young man, come here. Let me help you. Hey, mom, I had four kids. I know how to deal with some of that stuff. Come here, let me encourage you. Whatever it is and whatever you have suffered through, God has grown you through something and the Spirit of God is saying, that one, that one, that one. Love them well, encourage them well. You can all do it, amen? Some of you are going, I am not qualified to disciple anybody. But God says you are. So who are you going to believe? Ooh, this thing, you're less than, you're not worthy, you don't do it good enough, you don't do it like Jeremy. Good, don't do it like me, please. Do it like you would do it. Because you're uniquely gifted, crafted, and wired for it. Say this, I can make a disciple. One more time, I can make a disciple. That was better. One more time, I can make a disciple. That is awesome. Now go do it. Holy Spirit, help me because I feel horribly inequipped. Good. Do you know what God you serve? You serve the God who gets the last word. You serve a God that knows all your struggles, all your stuff, all your junk, and yet he picks you and chooses you. And yet he says, you, he looks upon you and he says, man, I'm so pleased with you. Who are you talking to? Man, I love you. I've gifted you. Be intentional with your life. Make it count for something. We've all probably come to a point, and I did in my early 20s, where I thought my life is a waste of space. Came to a church service chasing a pretty girl and met Jesus for the first time. Changed me forever, though. I don't know what was preached. 
I have no idea what Peter said that day in that sermon. But I just said, God, I'm coming because I want you to use my life. So maybe you feel like you've, you've missed. Start today. Be intentional with your life, son, daughter. Be intentional with the investment that God has put in you because he gets the last word. Every son and daughter, we should find some security in knowing that this God gets the last word. Your heavenly father, your dad who absolutely loves you and is watching out for you, calls you as his own, makes you a co-heir to the throne of heaven. Does that break your brain? You're able. I qualify you, God says. I pick you. How about instead of listening to all the side chatter and the 50,000 plus uh, thoughts that come into your mind every day, how about you go, okay, I hear that, but God, what do you say? I know that I didn't get it all right there today in that interaction, but God, help me. I, I know that you're living in me and you desire to live through my life, so help me today in this moment. God, what do you say? I hear the roaring lion, God, but I'm not gonna pay attention to that. I wanna hear the voice of God. I choose to believe you today, not what my circumstances or my trials look like. I'm not going to waste this trial. What if we just did that? Woo, trial. I'm going to embrace it. I'm not going to waste it, though, because, God, you're looking to shape me and mold me more into your image in these moments. So help me to see it that way. John Piper says this, the strength of patience hangs on our capacity to believe God is up to something good for us all in our delays and our detours. Come on, stand with me as we get ready to worship today. Close this service out. I want to encourage you to live your life on purpose today, to be intentional, to live on mission exercising the self-control that you don't have, but the Jesus in you and the Holy Spirit in you has. And with generous compassion, living as sons and daughters, empowered to stand firm that we would say, you know what, God, you get the last word. A good, good father fights for you. He is accomplishing good things in you. His perfect will for us is to point to Jesus, the finished work on the cross. And that is where the victory was won, amen? But it doesn't stop there. There's a lot of things, believer, son, daughter, living your life intentional post-cross that he's got some stuff for you to do. Actually, Ephesians says he's created good things in advance for you to do that you should walk in them. So maybe as we begin to worship, you need to come up here today and just say, God, Thank you that you get the last word. I want to be more intentional with my life. I'm going to come. Let him speak to you here at this altar. Let him speak to you as you worship him and just say, God, I want to live my life different from this day forward. I want to live on purpose for you. Help me to be intentional with every gifting, every talent, everything you've ever given me. Don't let me waste anything. Build my faith. And Holy Spirit, help me. God, as we come to worship you, would you bring encouragement? I pray for guilt and shame and condemnation that is not from you to go in the name of Jesus. And I declare freedom over this place today. And I pray that every son and daughter 
would hear you, Holy Spirit, speak to them today in this service. That as they respond to you and worship God, and as they respond, even maybe coming to this altar to dump their junk and say, God, I love you. I want more of you. I want to be on mission. That you would meet them in this place, God. So we thank you for that and we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.